Hi, and welcome to episode 8 of season 2 of Rambling About Greek Mythology, a lax podcast where I just talk about a lot of Greek mythology. So today will be the final part of Apollo, and I'm not lying this time. This is the last section of kids and their kids we need to go over before we can finally move on to Ares. Just as a heads up, when we get to Poseidon and Zeus, it is going to be this, but a hundred times worse. There's just so much. But without further delay, let's dive right in. So the first child we're going to talk about is named Linus. So keep in mind, keep Linus in mind is Linus 1, as in like there's another Linus we have to talk about. So like, yeah, this is Linus 1. He was a son of Apollo and Ithusa, daughter of Poseidon. Sometimes he's said to be the child of Samothe, daughter of Cretopus, king of Argos. Um, and after his birth, he was exposed by Samothe, this is usually how the story goes, uh, and brought up by shepherds. Sometimes, though, it is said that Cretopus heard of Samothe bearing a child and had it fed to dogs. Um, this isn't super surprising if we think about the general, like, staple situation of a woman getting raped by a god, and then um, the parents are like, no one believing that it was a god who had done it, and so they believe like the mortal was just uh, impious and stuff. So yeah, feeds it feeds the child to the dogs. Though kind of ridiculous, my guards. Anyways, otherwise the shepherds who found Linus um, had dogs who came and tore him apart. Samothe was killed by her father for this impious action. And then Apollo was angry and sent a plague down on Argos, as you would expect a dad to do. On the advice of an oracle, the custom was set of singing a dirge or like a lament song to celebrate Samothe and Linus. And uh, apparently during the ceremony, dogs any dogs found in the street were killed, um, which is not super surprising if you like consider a lot of ancient rituals are like mimicking what the actual event was to the best of like what's recorded. And that would be the um, goal. So like, oh, okay, the dogs were like the perpetrators in this. Let's kill any dogs. So that's kind of like the idea. Also, the reason it's like singing a song of lament, you know, in mourning, it's not just because, uh, or at least in theory, it's not just because this is like a very sad thing. Um, Linus as like a character in this specific one, like motif is thought to be a like, is like the explanation for like the like morning song and why it's the words it is and like the sounds like the certain sound combination it has so like that's kind of the idea here so yeah there's like a lot more depth than it seems sometimes at least culturally second we have linus so this is linus number two now he is said to be a son of apollo and amphimarus or Sorry, Apollo or Amphimarus or Ismenius or Oeagrus and Urania or Cleo or Calliope or Terpsichore or Ithusa. Usually how the story goes, according to Pausanias, is that there was an earlier Linus who was the son of Amphimarus, son of Poseidon, and Urania. And he died to Apollo for his skill in music either due to his impiety of challenging him or purely out of envy, like Apollo was like, God, you're a good musician, and they killed him. The latter one was a son of Ismenius and was the tutor of Heracles. Either way, it is worth, like, for you to know all of these various parentages if you want to be, like, omniscient. Otherwise, I think it's just, like, another classic example of how so many stories are conflated and convoluted and, like, 
why. Anywho, um, another staple version is that he was a son of Oyagras, a Thracian king, and Calliope as a fix to two different versions. So it's like, okay, what if we make a third version and do a kind of like, why not both, you know? And so the invention of rhyme and melody is usually associated with Linus too. Sometimes he's said to have actually learned the Phoenician alphabet from Cadmus, son of Agenor and Telephasa, but he gave each letter its name and shape. So the Phoenician alphabet, for like significance purposes, in case you like don't know what it is and are like, okay, alphabet a little, um, the Phoenician alphabet is thought to be like the pre- is thought to be like the predecessor of the Greek alphabet. Like it's that's how the Greek alphabet formed was based off of the Phoenician alphabet. Various uh, sound changes occurred because the Greeks didn't produce certain sounds that the Phoenicians could. And then we get our alphabet ultimately from the Phoenician alphabet. So that's kind of like the significance behind this story. So it's kind of like a, a pexegetical, uh, like an explanatory um, story. It's like, oh, okay, this is how the Greeks ended up with the alphabet. Was Cadmus got brought the Phoenician alphabet, like that type of thing. So that's kind of what this is doing here. Anywho. So Linus was kind of a teacher. He taught Orpheus, his brother, at least in the version where he's the son of Oeagrus, and Thamorus, uh, son of Philemon and Argiope, and Heracles. The only awful pupil was Heracles, and Linus often smacked him for not learning. Um, so, in fairness, the boy retaliates. Um, Linus probably should just not smack him, and he kills him with his own plectrum, which is the instrument used instrument used to pluck the lyre, or the lyre itself, out of anger and like retaliation, obviously. So yeah, that is Linus's a uh, great ending where Heracles is like, yeah, you're not going further in myth. So yeah, um, maybe a story to take away from that is don't hit people for not learning well. I don't know. Maybe that's like a, if for any educators listening, that's something to keep in mind is don't hit your students, you know. Anywho, we'll move on to Lycomedes. He was the son of Apollo and Parthenope, daughter of the Argonaut Anchias, and he was born on the island of Chios, C-H-I-O-S, but he eventually migrated and became the king of the Dilopians on Skyrus. He is known for two things. When Theseus was exiled from Athens, either due to killing his son Hippolytus or other reasons, Lycomedes received him since Theseus had been given some land by Lycomedes' grandfather Skyrus. When Lycomedes received him, he feared that his people would be swooned by Theseus, so he took Theseus to the top of a cliff where he pushed him off and killed him. Yes, very anticlimactic to the Theseus story, honestly. Like, dang, that's just such a hell of an ending. Or two, later on in his life, uh, or not, or, and to. Later on in his life, uh, Thetis the Nereid gave her son Achilles to him to hide from joining the Trojan War. There, Achilles was dressed up as a woman named variously Pyrrha, Issa, or Kerkisera. His attempts were futile beyond, uh, I mean, like, beyond Achilles ending up in the Trojan War, because um, that already happened, because Achilles actually slept with his daughter Deidamea and fathered Pyrrhus slash Neoptolemus, whose story we'll discuss later. So really did not do that good of a job of keeping him dressed up as a woman, you know? And also, like, went to the Trojan War, so, like, already kind of screwed up. Anywho, not my place to judge, I guess. Next, we have Lycoris. He was a son of Apollo and Caricia. Um, For him, the town, or I guess from him, the town Lycoria got his name. Um, 
he had a son named Hyamas, who had a daughter named Kalino, who Apollo slept with, and Father Delphus, whom we already talked about two episodes ago now. So yeah, that's like a great interwoven family relations, right? We really love it. Yep. Next, we have Melanius. So he was said to be the son of Apollo, but it's probably purely because like he was a legendary archer. Like he was just like really good at shooting a bow. Um, So whether or not that's true, totally up for debate. Sometimes, though, he's said to be the son of some Arcesilaus, and he founded the town of Eretria, which was initially called Melanius after himself. So Melanius followed Perires when he was summoned to be the ruler of Messeni, uh, I guess? Messeni? I don't even know how to stress it. Um, due to no ruler, and was given a town which he named Oikalia, now called Carnassium, after his wife Oikalia. He was the father of Eurytus by his second wife Stratonica, or Stratonice, I guess, if you want to say it that way, the daughter of Pluron or Portheon, and Ambrachia, eponym of the city-slash-town Ambrachia, which is most likely the same one as the title of Ennius's work on Fulvius Nobilior's capture of Ambrachia. I assume it's the same one. I don't see how it would be different. I mean, maybe, but I think it's just the same one. So yeah, fun little Latin literature fact. So... Eurytus. He was a king of Oikalia, who was a legendary archer himself that got him the reputation as a son of Apollo. He is said to have trained Heracles in archery, and in an old version of his story, um, he is said to have challenged Apollo in ar- an archery contest and got killed for this. He held a contest offering the hand of his daughter Ioli, a daughter of his by Antiope slash Antiope, daughter of Pylon slash Pylos, for whoever could defeat him and his sons in an archery contest. Heracles, the student now the master, won the contest, but they would not offer Ioli over either because one, he'd killed Eurytus's children by his first wife, or two, Eurytus's sons were fearful he would kill his kids by her in a fit of like madness again. Um, this is a reference to an earlier story with Megara, which we'll talk about when we get to Heracles. So yeah, at the same time this happened, Eurytus's mares went missing when Heracles like left because you you know he left like pretty angrily. He's like, okay, I kind of got cheated out of competing in this contest. So Iphitus, the son of Eurytus, tried to convince his dad it wasn't Heracles, as it wasn't, and went to Tyrans to ask Heracles. But either out of madness or on purpose, Heracles threw him off the ramparts of Tyrans and killed him. Later, Heracles laid siege on Oikalia and killed everyone and took Ioli. So Eurytus, by his first wife, because that's pretty much his ending, uh, who's unnamed, his first wife that is, he fathered Dryope, and uh, by his wife Antiope slash Antiope, he had Didion, uh, Deon slash Molion, Clytius, Toxius, Iphitus, and Ioli. So a lot of kids to talk about. So Dryope, she was the daughter of either Dryops or Eurytus, again, versions and either way, she was raped by Apollo after he had snuck up on her in the form of a turtle and then ended up as a serpent in her lap. So then she married Andrymon, son of Oxalus, and bore to him Amphysis, which was the child she had by Apollo. Amphysis, when he reached manhood, founded a city at the foot of Mount Oita under his name, so it was like named Amphissa, 
And one day, when Dryope had gone to sacrifice to her former companions, the Hamadryads, near a temple of Apollo built by her son, she was carried off by the Hamadryads as they were moved by her jester, and she became a Hamadryad herself. A tall poplar sprang up at the place she was kidnapped. Then, in a version according to Ovid, she was picking some flowers off of a lotus tree of the transformed nymph Lotus. So that tree started bleeding because, like, if she was picking off of, like, a transformed human. So she's, like, quite literally ripping something off of someone. And she was turned into a lotus tree accordingly. Some girls who talked of her transformation were actually turned into pine trees for talking about it. Which I think is pretty neat. That doesn't really occur too much, I feel. Next, we have Deon slash Molion. Emphasis just doesn't really have too much to talk about. We have Deon slash Molion. He was taught by Eurytos to have almost the same level of accuracy in archery, which means a lot. And he was the father of Moliona, the mother of the Moliones, we already talked about. Next, we have Clytius. He was an Argonaut, and he was just killed by Aetes at Colchis, his claim to fame. Toxius, he was an archer killed alongside his brothers by Heracles. And then we have Iphitus. Iphitus is like slightly more, but really not that much. So he was an Argonaut alongside Clytius, besides what was already mentioned in the story of Eurytus. While searching for the mares of Eurytus, he ran into Odysseus, the son of Laertes and Anticlea, at Phineas in Arcadia, and actually gave Eurytus' bow to Odysseus and got a sword and spear in return. This bow is the same bow that Odysseus uses to completely dumpster the suitors of Penelope when he comes back to Ithaca, if you've read the Odyssey. So yeah, next we have Miletus. He can sometimes said to be the son of Apollo and Dione, or Aurea, but usually Akakalis or Akakala is fine. So he was exposed at birth by his mom, and he was fed by a wolf and then taken in by shepherds. Later, Minos, Rhadamanthus, and Sarpedon were all struck by his beauty and all vied for it, but Miletus chose Sarpedon. Then, Minos chased the two out, or Sarpedon told Miletus to leave in secret, and he did, and he went to Caria while Sarpedon went to Lycia. So usually this um, love contest, or it's not usually, but an alternate version is over a guy named Atimnius, A-T-Y-M-N-I-U-S. Um, and so like sometimes Miletus just went and founded my, uh, the city of Miletus. He didn't, it wasn't necessarily this love contest. That was a totally different story. But again, it's just like versions getting smashed together and people kind of I either generating stories or like maybe losing track or there's a reason this tradition exists. Either way, um, Miletus founded the city of Miletus, very humble, and married Edithea, daughter of Eurytus, and fathered Byblus and Countess, or even Tragasia, daughter of Kalino. Usually, though, he married Cyane, like C-Y-A-N-E-E, and fathered the two. Um, as in... When I said Tragasia, I meant uh, as a wife of, a possible wife of Miletus, just in case that was unclear. So yeah, Biblis and Countess. This is a pretty awkward and sad story. So Biblis fell in love with him and wrote a letter to him confessing her love. Then he was super filled with horror and fled and she chased after him, but could not catch up and wanted to kill herself. But at the rock summit where she was going to throw herself off the nymphs, off, the nymphs took pity on her and turned her into a spring or stream sometimes she's just out of exhaustion falls on the ground and turns into a spring um, sometimes the version of the story changes where countess actually had a love for her but then he didn't want to like act on it and he was terrified by it so he fled and that's why he fled and then Biblis still chased him um, but yeah this is kind of just an hell of a story 
but yeah, it's a pretty uh, simple one. I think it it's one usually a lot of people seem to know in the myth scene. I don't know what makes it so popular in terms of like to know because it doesn't seem like an extremely common story that's everywhere. But yeah, that's that. Next, we have Mopsis. So Mopsis is usually said to be a son of Manto and Rakius, but almost as often the father is said to be Apollo due to his power as a seer. So he drove out the Carians from Clarus, the city where his parents and him had migrated to, and he was mostly known for his abilities as a seer. Um, he founded the city of Colophon, and he was Apollo's soothsayer at Clarus, actually. So after he won the contest against Calchas, which I already detailed, he joined forces with Amphilochus, son of Alcmaeon, and Manto, and founded the city of Malus in Cilicia, or Calicia, while their forces spread out in Pamphylia, Calicia, and Syria. Apparently, Amphilochus left for Argos, and when he came back, because he didn't think Argos' situation was good enough for him to stay, he asked for the power of rule back, and Mopsus denied it, so they fought in single combat and both died. Then, they had a legendary oracle for the next thousand years, which I think is pretty impressive, honestly. Like, sir, like that's a long time. A thousand years? Wow. So, yeah. Next, we have Naxos. He was a son of Apollo and Akakalis slash Akakale, but sometimes he's said to be the son of Apolemon, a man two generations prior to Theseus who had put himself on the island at the head of a Carian colony. Sometimes he was said to be the son of Endymion and Selene. So at the time he was there, it was called Dia, but then he gave it, it, gave it his own name, making it Naxos. So yeah, that's pretty interesting, like, oh, how did the name change? And usually there's some, like, eponymous character, which, like, has some simple explanation like that. Next, we have Orpheus, probably one of the more famous episodes in mythology, um, just because of, like, the emotion, the, um, just the whole episode, I think, is, like, just famous for, like, all the various like crazy things he pulled off um he's also just a famous musician in general probably one of the best in mythology so yeah he was a son of apollo and oeagra or apollos or oeagras and calliope polyhymnia or menippe or menippe daughter of thamorus usually though oeagras is considered to be his father almost unanimously apollo got attributed most likely due to his minstrel abilities Either way, he played the lyre, having been taught by Apollo, and the kithra, which he is said to have invented or have increased the number of strings from seven to nine on account of the muses. Either way, he could sing so sweetly and play so well that wild animals, beasts, and men, uh, I guess like crazy men for that matter, and stones would follow him, and trees and plants would either bow before him or somehow follow him. I guess just pull up your roots or something and use them as legs? I have no idea. He joined the Argonauts and will detail his exploits later when we talk about them, but his most famous story involves the naiad Eurydice, his wife, and Aristias, B-boy, the son of Apollo and Cyrene. Shortly after their marriage, Eurydice was walking by a river in Thrace when she was chased by Aristias, and while fleeing, she stepped on a snake, which bit her and killed her accordingly. Orpheus was super sad, mourning her death, and decided he would go to the underworld and to Hades and retrieve her. So, he went into the underworld via the entrance at Tynarum and played his music so sweetly that allegedly Ixion's wheel stopped spinning, Sisyphus's stone remained up without support, Tantalus forgot his hunger and thirst, the Danaids 
The Danaids forgot about filling their sieves of water, and even the Fury shed tears. Allegedly, the cold hearts of Hades and Persephone also even melted. They agreed to Orpheus's pleas as long as he did not look back where she was till he left the underworld. He did great, until right before they reached the upper world, an anxiety seized Orpheus, an understandable anxiety for that matter, causing him to turn around and the shade of Eurydice to disappear. He had had this fear that what if she were never actually there and they were just conning him and he was so scared he turned around. So it's really interesting because Plato actually presents this guy as a coward for not being willing to die with his wife, which is interesting since I don't know what we would consider it to be more courageous to like just die to be with your wife or to go to the underworld as a mortal, which is pretty risky as is and pretty much throwing your life away to get her back like that seems like it would be more courageous than just killing your like I guess killing yourself even but like if it's like that's the commitment right to like see your wife but then like then there's like the how hard it is to do that and it's like you know there's a whole debate there's a whole debate of like what do you consider it to be more courageous right and to call him a coward for this I don't know if that's fair you know Anywho, that is something you can ponder on. So after this uh, whole great event, he returned to Thrace a very sad boy, not wanting to do anything with women and only surrounded himself with young men. Sometimes this episode in his life leads leads others to believe that he was the inventor of pederasty with Callias, son of Boreas, as his lover. So usually how it goes is that uh, the woman of Thrace, like the Sikones, is like the tribe, uh, who were raging as like or like or as Minads actually killed them, and so as to why this happened, there are two main possible reasons. One, this was the result of the curse Aphrodite laid on Calliope for the whole Adonis arbitration, and she made all the women desire uh, Orpheus and then kill him because you know he was only going with men. Or two, Bacchus caused the Siconian women to go mad because Orpheus had not honored the god or preferred Helios, so his figure was torn apart. But His head and lyre fell in the river Hebrus and floated down to Lesbos as his head sang forever. This is like the interesting mythological explanation for why Lesbos has some god-tier poets come out of it. As any famous character, where his body is is up for debate, but some say his tomb is at the mouth of the river Meles. So now we're going to do some post-death stories. That shows you pretty significant character. There's a lot of post-death stuff. So in Thrace, there was a plague that spread out through Thrace, and if they wanted to rid of it, they had to find his head, which some fishermen finally found buried in the sand at the mouth of the river Melhais, singing bloodied. In Thessaly, there is a different legend at Lebethra, L-E-I-B-E-T-H-R-A, where an oracle of Thracian Bacchus said if the ashes of Orpheus saw the sun, the city would be ravaged by a pig. The locals were like, well, okay, and then some shepherds felt... Then some shepherd fell asleep where apparently Orpheus's tomb was and started singing in his sleep Orpheus's hymns. And when the men working near in the fields heard this, they stopped work and came to the tomb. Then, because I guess there were too many people, the ground collapsed and exposed the sarcophagus with Orpheus's ashes, leading to the river Sus, pig in Greek, to flood and destroy the city. His lyre actually became the constellation Lyra thanks to the muses. Next, so yeah, like... Actually, before we even go to the next one, so, like, that just kind of shows you how significant the story is with Orpheus, like, just the amount of versions, the amount of, like, uh, traditions that get passed down, um, there's also probably some, 
significance maybe in like, you know, why did certain authors choose this story? And like, what does this mean on the grander scale and stuff? So like, Orpheus is evidently a rather large character. So yeah. Next we have Philemon. He was the son of Apollo and Chione, daughter of Didalion, or Philonus, daughter of Didalion, or Dayon, uh, and then or Luconoe, daughter of Eosphorus. Or Philemon was the son of Heosphorus and Cleoboia or Chrysothemis. I don't know where the former pairing comes from, but Chrysothemis, daughter of Carminor, being his mom, is a thing. Um, because Chrysothemis is said to have won, like, the musical contest at Delphi, like, the first time. Like, she's the first winner and female, which is pretty cool. And then he ends up being the second one. So, like, that would be some reason as to why that's a thing. Anywho. He's said to have invented choirs composed of girls and the institution of the mysteries of Demeter at Lerna. He was apparently quite the looker and slept with the nymph Archiope. The writing about whether or not it is rape is very unclear, but seemingly it was since when she became pregnant, he would not accept her into his home. Um, this led to her uh, fleeing to Chalcidice, or Chalcidice in Thrace where she bore Thamaris, he, Philemon, uh, ended up being the second person to win the music contest at Delphi. Eventually, when Phlegios came to burn down that temple of Apollo at Delphi, Philemon actually led Argives against him and died in this battle. So now we can talk about Thamaris, another very famous musician. So Thamaris's parents sometimes are said to be Aethlius, son of Endymion. Um, sometimes his mother is said to be Arato or Melpomene, muse of like erotic love poetry or uh, tragedy for Melpomene, and so he was a famous poet slash bard who was said to have written his own Theogony, Cosmogony, and Titanomachy, um, and he's also said to have invented the Dorian mode, which is like a musical structure, like a manner, or I guess a mode, if you understand how what, what mode means in that context. Um, he's said to be the first man to love a person of his own sex due to his love for Hyacinthus, and so like his father, he won the musical contest at Delphi and became the third person to do it, and then he dared to challenge the muses to a contest at Dorium in Mycenae. So, as always, the mortal lost to the muses, and this led to him losing both his eyesight by disease and his musical skills. After this, he's said to have thrown his lyre into a river that got the name Balira in Arcadia, with Balira meaning like throw from the Greek base Baal. Um, I'm just wondering, like, if he lost his eyesight, Maybe he didn't lose it yet, because it's, like, by disease, right? So, over time, like, deterioration. Because otherwise, how did he throw it into the river, you know? Like, I guess maybe you can use your sound, like, your hearing, and then throw I don't know. That seems pretty impressive. I don't know if I could do that. But then, get this, he was further punished in the underworld, allegedly, according to Prodicus of Phocaia's Miniad. It's lost, though, so we can't actually see. But I think it's at least, like, quoted that that did happen. Sometimes he's said to have been the teacher of Homer. Mm -hmm. I don't think that makes sense. And the father of Menippi, according to John Setzes, a Byzantine poet and grammarians, uh, Kiliades. I don't know how you'd become a father of Menippi if he's gay, unless he was bi? I don't know. Anyways, Menippi's only claim to fame is that sometimes she's the mother of Orpheus by Oeagris. That's like the only thing. So yeah. Pretty, pretty cool stuff. Poets are pretty neat. They always have very interesting stories. Um, always seems to be, not always, but most of the time it seems to be like uh, hubris gets them killed. So that should be a, something everyone should keep in mind. 
Next, we have Polypoetus. His claim to fame is also dying at the hands of Aetolus alongside his brothers, uh, Laodicus and Doris, and um, like their children, Apollo and Phthia. Next, we have Cyrus. So he's alleged to be a child of Apollo by that Sinope who tricked him. Usually, though, he's a son, another son of Agenor and Telephasa, making him brother of Cadmus, who we mentioned earlier. Either way, he's said to have invented arithmetic and introduced the doctrine of metempsychosis, which is like the transmigration of the soul. So it's like the thought about like reincarnation, the cycle of the soul going through like various stages. And he's also said to have been the eponym for the Syrians. Pretty uh, clear. Cyrus, Syrians, Syrians, you know, adds up. Next, we have Tenaris. Allegedly, he was a king of Thebes, although I have never heard of him, so he must be like one of the ancient ones that I don't remember. Um, he was the brother of Ismenus and son of Melia and Apollo, and he became a famous soothsayer and priest of the uh, of the temple of Apollo Ptuis, which I'm pretty sure is derived from like the word to spit. Like Ptui is like quite literally like an ancient Greek thing, and it's like the spitting word. Um, also wouldn't be too surprising with like, you know, whole like, uh, prophecy and stuff and soothsaying. So maybe, maybe that is the case. Finally, we have Troilus. He was a son of Hecuba and Priam slash Apollo. And apparently if he were to reach the age of 20, Troy would not fall to the Greeks. So Achilles ambushed him and killed him or had others strangle him. Pretty cold blooded. That's like honestly a really neat story. I didn't learn about it prior to making this, like that that was a thing. I always thought he just randomly got ambushed, but there's like actually reason to it. So with that being said, that is everything. That is a conclusion to this section on Apollo. Um, and yeah, that I think should just show like how interwoven relationships can be with like gods and mortals and moreover how it interwoven those relationships can be and then like how even apollo who really i i mean i guess pull game was very poor um but i mean he did other just bad moves in general to make up for it seemingly but like in some characters you will just see how far their lineage goes and you're like wow those people are all related to apollo and at first you wouldn't even consider that right you would just be like oh yeah i mean like uh i don't know you would choose like cadmus or something and be like oh like even not even like as their like parents right but just like interaction right you'd be like oh cadmus nah there's no way there's no way and then you find out like whoa cadmus actually has like indirect interaction with apollo um or we have all these cities that seemingly didn't have much interaction with certain gods, and then you find out, oh, hey, actually, they had a ton of interaction with this god. It's just super obscure. So I think that's I think that's pretty neat. So yeah, this is a conclusion to part five of Apollo, and with that, we have finished everything, and we'll move on to next time when we start the Aries section. So as always, I hope it was fun, interesting, exciting to learn about. hope it wasn't too boring or my voice too monotone monotonous i guess would be a better word um so yeah uh if you have any questions comments suggestions or concerns you have my email otherwise i'll see you next time when we talk about aries take care